Hello, and welcome in to another episode of the 3 to 1 podcast. I am your host, Coach Mack, and with me today, we have another awesome guest. Um, we have Stanley Franks. Stanley is currently the Nichols coach and defensive quality control at Washington State University. He has coached at a variety of places and played a variety of places. Um, he's coached up in Canada, played up in Canada, and then also played right down the road here in Moscow, Idaho, at Idaho University. Um, Stan is an awesome coach and individual to impact young people, and I'm so excited to have him on the podcast today. So, my man Stan, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I, I appreciate all those kind words, you know, coming from you, man. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, it's very true. All right, before we get rolling, I want to know. So, you, how how long did you live up in Canada for? Well, playing it was about three to four years, and then went back there coaching and, and lived there about two to three years as well. So, okay, so it's about six six years, seven years. Yeah. All yeah. right. What's the thing you miss the most from living up north? Miss the most. Hmm. Um, I'll say some maybe maybe some of the food and just the downtown uh, downtown environment, like you know, Gas Lab, um, Vancouver. I mean, Granville Street. Sorry, Vancouver. Like, was really nice, um, lively. Always something to do down there. So just probably the environment and the food. Mm-hmm. What What's different of the food? there compared to well, you, you got your poutines you know which I, I've come accustomed to really liking you know the fries with the gravy and the, and the cheese curds and everything like that um you know you can you can soup it up with the bacon and you know whatever else you want on there Montreal has a pretty solid one where you can put the street meat on there and it's a nice nice good solid poutine for you but yeah that's, that's just one of the things and then you know um even back Toronto area they have pretty pretty good um East Indian food, which I've gone custom liking and stuff. Um, your patties and your jerk chicken and all that stuff, which is pretty solid. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm uh, like I was telling you earlier, I can't wait. I want to go up there this summer with the wife and check it out. Cause I've never been to Canada. Um, so hopefully the, all this calms down, the border opens up and we can go up there. Okay. Growing up, I know you grew up in California. Uh, talk us through kind of growing up in, um, we do grow up in LA. Grew up in a, I was born in Long Beach, California, and okay. um, pretty much raised in Downey. And Downey, went to Downey High School very shortly after that. Um, ended up going back to Long Beach to go um, play JUCO ball there. So pretty much Southern Cal, um, whole, Long Beach area. Whole life? Okay. Yep. All right, growing up and going into high school, were you just a stud? You know, <laughs> you a stud uh, at Downey High School? Well, you know, I wouldn't say all that, but it was – you know, it, it was it was sports, you know, growing up playing Pop Warner, you know, being blessed enough to be, you know, coached by my pops and stuff, you know, his passion for it and everything. But, um, you know, yeah, my my school and growing up always around around sports. So it, it kind of came natural and, and it kept me out of trouble and stuff for the most part. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was definitely, you know, my outlet. I got you. What was it like playing for your dad and being coached by your dad? It was cool. You know, I liked that he didn't. You know, he wasn't a typical, you know, the favoritism as a son and stuff. He was probably, you know, the toughest on me and, and you know, my biggest critic and stuff, you know, but but did it in a loving way and, and kept me motivated, kept me hungry. And, um, you know, just through Pop Warner and stuff. But it, it was fun and, you know, was part of some pretty special um, teams and stuff growing up Pop Warner-wise. But it really showed me, you know, the passion for coaching and how, you know, it's love through that and it, it teaches you life lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you were a part of a special Pop Warner team. You want to uh, expand on that a little bit? Well, you know, I played for, you know, we, we were the, um, was it the Cerritos? I believe it was the Cerrito Steelers. But, yeah, we, you know, had some pretty nice unis that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the gold and black, like the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, um, you know, we would do the little seven-on. Well, it wasn't the seven-on back then, but it was like the punt, pass, and kick teams, the travel teams, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much had the best guys from the Pop Warner and, you know, the coaches stayed with us, you know, it would go um, midget, junior midget and all that stuff. They stayed, stayed with us going up each level. So we had some pretty good teams back there that, that was competitive and had a little swag to them, you know? <laughs> that, that is cool. So you, you basically had the same coaches from, I don't know, what grade was that? Like third grade? 
around third or fourth year. I originally couldn't play um, Pop Warner, which they would call it, because I couldn't couldn't weigh enough. I didn't weigh enough, so you know, I was a little guy. You know, struggled with that my my whole career being a little guy. So I had to you know play flag at the um, start out doing was the middle school or whatever playing flag, and then I eventually was able to play Pop Warner once I made weight, the weight and stuff. So got a little bit late start at it, but it was it was fun. Man, I don't know if I can envision you as a little guy. You know, you're all you're all buffed <laughs> up now. You know, you're all into it. Nah, nah. Your workouts every morning. Grown man, wait now. <laughs> okay, um, so like going into high school, um, I'm assuming you were athletic. You played? Did you play basketball and some other sports too? Yeah, I played basketball. Um, ran track. Uh, I want to say I was extremely dedicated to it. Did it more for the you know festivities of the that the track brings but um yeah basketball is really fun for me I did take that a lot more serious but uh football is my main sport that I you know invested most of my time into mm-hmm. did you did you go into high school you know has your dream always been to go play college ball um you know professionally was that always your dream or did that kind of start you know as you started to have more and more success or you know where did the dream for that come from I think yeah you know I, I kind of became like that was more realistic goal, probably going into high school, my freshman year, um, had a couple guys that, you know, knew from the surrounding area, um, you know, just some names that had made it, you know, into college ball, got a scholarship, having a pretty good career. So you had those guys to look up to and, and you know, um, pretty much gave you something to grab on to and something that was sensible that you could actually accomplish. So it, it was good. And um, I just knew if I kept kept putting in work, I would get a shot eventually. So that that's what it all came down to, trying to perfect, you know, my craft at that time, putting in extra work, you know, um, staying out of trouble, running with the knuckleheads and stuff. But it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was definitely accomplished. I got you. All right, so now you're in high school. You're having some success. Did uh, what what positions were you playing in high school? I actually played quarterback. Um, quarterback, yeah, <laughs> yeah, quarterback. And um, played that my freshman year. And then, you know, was blessed enough to move up to varsity, you know, sophomore and played quarterback there. And then on um, defense, played a little bit of free safety. But, um, yeah, it was quarterback. And it was, you know, obviously running offense, but I had, a, you know, actually arm, throwing as well. You know, I like to compare myself to, you know, the Seneca Wallace back in the day. But um, I don't know if that's saying much. But, yeah, but yeah played quarterback. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Quarterback. So, when did uh did you start getting in like recruiting letters? Did when did the recruiting process start for you? You know, it's different for everybody, but when did you know you want had this goal, you're trying to accomplish it? When did all like that kind of start to come in, you know, fruition for you? I'll say probably my junior year or so when I started receiving letters to, you know, it wasn't any big big time schools or anything like that, you know, but uh smaller schools and just seeing the interest of coaches and then um you know, our head coach was Coach Words, but it was a guy named Jack Williams, um, who I played with his brother as well. He was on the team, and he was actually, I believe he was on the Oakland Raiders at that time, and he just had finished up at BYU and stuff, and he was really essential in helping me get out and, you know, pushing me, putting in extra work and stuff. So that, that's pretty much when it started junior year, getting a little bit of recognition and everything. I got you. Got you. So coming out of high school, you go to um... – you go to junior college. Why did you Why did you decide to go to ju- the junior college route? Well, I don't think it's uh, <laughs> you know quite decide, but um, you know just just got into a little bit of trouble that that set me back a little bit. But um, you know it was it was a great learning experience, and I you know I, I don't regret anything that happened or anything like that. But um, it, it just kind of made a couple coaches fall off real quick. Um, you know obviously you know they didn't want trouble or anything off the field, so. And then the option that I ended up having left, I just felt I was a little bit better then. So pretty much ended up going to junior college route from there. Okay. <laughs> we don't have to talk about the trouble if you don't want, want to talk about it. But so you go to Long Beach City, you know, I think people, you know, that aren't in the coaching profession or around, um, you know, college athletics don't quite understand the junior college, you know, system and especially in California, what it's all about. But, you know, now they see last chance you. And they see, you know, not crazy, but like good coaches who are hard and yelling and talking and screaming a lot. Um, but what was playing at Long Beach City for you? Um, you know, because California, in California, junior college ball is a big deal, you know, but it is hard on athletes. You know, there are no dorms. 
Um, there are no scholarships, basically. It's, you know, you're just there to play and then hopefully get out. So what was that whole experience for you like? Like you said, you know, um, the resources are not there as a, you know, during college football player. And um, even I feel some of these, you know, I joke with a couple of cats, you know, those Arizona schools and stuff where, you know, you have the dorms and you have scholarship to JUCOs now. That's not the case in Southern California, the majority of them at least, you know. You had the saddlebags and stuff like that and the Mount Sachs where, you know, they had the facilities and the housing and stuff. But, um, you know, it, it's a struggle. You got to be you got to be self-motivated. It's all about, you know, from school to making sure you're lined up with the academics that you need to get into college at the next level. You know, if you weren't a qualifier, come out of high school and then also just, you know, it's a choice. Everything's a choice now. You're, you're, you're a grown man, so to say. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get, get out of the house and then really grow up a little bit. But, um, you know, you want to come to practice, that's on you. You know, um, yeah, the coach, depending on your relationship and stuff, will call and hassle you. But, you know, it's no, it's the norm if a guy misses because he's at work and show up on Friday or something like that, you know, to practice. So it's just, you got to be self-sufficient and you got to be ready to grind, put in extra time and everything you do, everything you get out of it is what, you know, obviously you're going to put into it. So it, it can be a, a tricky time in your life where you can easily, you know, fall into the wrong situations or, you know, just do something to set yourself back because you don't see the, the bigger picture and the bigger goal of the situation, but. I got you, I got you, it's very well said. Who who was your head coach at Long Beach? The uh, famous Jerry Jaso at that time, he was the um, Long Beach Poly head coach that, you know, won, won those championships and got the, you know, had all those guys going to SC and, you know, the, um, the big names coming out of Cal Poly. So he, he was the coach. Yeah, um, stepped down from Long Beach Poly and was head coach at Long Beach City College then. So, yeah, Jerry J. So. Okay. What, uh, what's, like, one of the biggest things you learned? Obviously, he was a successful coach. What was one of the biggest things you learned from him? I would just say, like, details. And, um, you know, I actually played receiver in, in JUCO, and he was, he was the OC and stuff. And um, from a guy named Neo, too, who was, who was the receiver's coach, you know, solid cat. I just learned how to, you know, relationship-wise – uh, you got to be able to trust guys and just paying attention to the details. Those were the big things and putting in work and, you know, perfecting your craft and everything. Mm -hmm. guys. Okay. I love it. Do you have a favorite story, a junior college, you know, at least guys I know and I've played with, you know, talking about some of the JC stories and just listen to them. Um, they're amazing <laughs> and just funny and just, but, you know, and now one of my best friends who's actually been on the podcast is a head coach, Alan Hancock. And he tells me, stories all the time about just different things they go through and just experiences. Um, so do you have a favorite memory slash experience from playing at a JC for two years? I'll say, you know, getting to a bowl game, that was pretty exciting. Um, I forget who even played, but it, it was just, you know, a big time atmosphere. You know, that's when the vet, you know, it, it was sold out and not sold out, but it, you know, it was pretty heavily packed with, you know, the entries we're winning, you know, being in the, um, they used to call the all the press telegram, you know, being one of the top athletes in there and stuff. But um, Juco, it was more of some, you know, the crazy story stuff that, like, <laughs> to this day, you're like, what the hell is going on? You know, um, yeah, from from players fighting coaches to, you know, um, <laughs> you know, side, you know, breaks, a lot of things going on. But it was probably more the off-the-wall type stuff that you remember. <laughs> you know, Juco life. I love it. It's uh... – I bet it was a fun time, though. I bet you grew up and learned a lot during that time. So, all right, you're done. Um, did you did you get your AA and got your grades good? Yeah. You yeah. Got your AA. So, what was the recruiting process like coming out of um, out of JC this time? Well, it was um, you know it's a little better, a couple more options. Um, like I said, I was actually playing receiver. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, I was still you know that's the, one of the perks of JUCO. You know, you can write down your your um, height and weight. You know, pretty much. So I was, I think I was like five eleven, one eighty five on paper, which was the furthest thing from the truth. You know, which probably, you know, now looking back at it, you know some of those coaches coming in there, you know, actually speaking with was probably you know highly disappointed. You know, when I walked into the office and stuff, but um. You know, but I had a couple coaches um, named by Johnny Nassin. You know, he stuck with me. He was originally like at Idaho State, and then he ended up going to University of Idaho, and he he just kind of stuck with me through all the whole process, even out of high school and stuff. So I ended up um, the home visit was great. You know, Nassin, I messed around. He, he could sell water to a fish. You know, and the home visit was solid. 
So I ended up um, committing to the University of Idaho. And I also wanted an opportunity where, you know, I knew I could get on the field right away. Um, knowing that I didn't have too many years to waste or anything, sitting behind someone, not so much with talent, but, you know, just the politics and stuff that go into it as well. And so I, I wanted to go somewhere where I could play right away and be an impact player too, you know. I got you. I got you. You can sell water to a fish. That's a good line right there. So that's a good one. Hey, no, that if you if you ever met Coach Nassie, you know, he he got that what we call that mouthpiece, so he he he'll sell it to you. you know? <laughs> but yeah. I love it. that's awesome. So you decide to sign with the uh, University of Idaho. Um for those who don't know, University of Idaho is in Moscow, Idaho. Um it's right on the border of Washington, Idaho. Back in those days when you were playing, they were in the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference, um, yep. which yeah. disbanded, but is actually coming back. It's you know, they're gonna be they're you guys were FBS school, right? Yeah, D1, yeah. Yeah, they're FBS, uh, D1. They're coming back now as an FCS school, FCS uh, for uh, football now, but they're coming back. So what was it like, you know, was this your first time out of California? Yeah, it definitely was. Besides, you know, I, I had been up to Washington a little, Washington area, Tacoma, you know, um, visiting my uncle and stuff a little bit. But um, that definitely furthest I've been away from home up until that point. And, um yeah, it was my fresh year there. It was culture shock to say, say, say the least, you know, um, small town vibe, you know, everyone, you stick out like a sore thumb, you know, everyone knows who you, who you are, or why you're there, so to say. So it was, you know, it took a little adjustment and, um, you know, you had to, you know, had to learn how to maneuver and get around and stuff from there, but it was, it was definitely a big little adjustment for me. For sure. Who, uh, who was your head coach? Um, recruiting me there. Besides um, Johnny Nancy, it was Coach Hope. Um, and then he ended up leaving. I'm not sure where Coach Hope went. I want to say he went to SC, ended up leaving. And then um, Coach the great, legendary, you know, um, Dennis Erickson came in. Um, he ended up leaving right after that season as well, going to um, Arizona State, I believe it was. He ended up going. And then I ended with uh, Coach Rob Akey, which, you know, three, three big-name coaches that's, mm-hmm. you know, top of the line guys, you know, especially Coach Erickson and, and Aki. But, um, yeah, and I'm going to three coaches, through three coaches in two years, which is, yeah, crazy. That is crazy. So you get there, you're all excited, you think you're going to play receiver. What? <laughs> how did the whole switch to defensive back come about and who brought that to you first? And how and, and how did you feel about it? Um. I think it started out, you know, now looking back at it, it's either I wasn't good enough for a receiver or it was just, you know, maybe what they told me, which was my mentality was a little geared, more geared towards the defensive side of the ball. And it, it just started there, getting there in summer and, you know, just competing through the, you know, the running and the weightlifting and stuff. And, you know, I was probably a little, you know, more of a knucklehead back then, you know, more outspoken and, and just loud, you know, that, that typical guy on the field, which you got to have, you know, some of the ego on the field and stuff, but, um, that's how it was sold to me that I, my my personality and my my aggressiveness was more geared towards defensive side of the ball. So one, one of those two are true. I, I was good enough for a receiver, or <laughs> you know it was the case. So yeah, I got you. Uh, it's hard to imagine uh, you know Stan being loud and you know, obnoxious. <laughs> that's not who you are at all. Now it's you have to. It's like pulling teeth getting you to talk sometimes. <laughs> Uh, but that's awesome. And um, so you moved to DB and you had some success. Do you remember playing your first game? Who did you play against? Do you remember? Um, no. No? Okay. Maybe it was SC. I believe we might have opened up an SC my junior. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Were you, were you, did you start? Were you playing? Yeah, I was starting. And I think that was part of the selling factor, too. I just wanted to get on the field. You know, I didn't really care where it was at on the field. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking with some people around me, you know, it was DB was the easy, not the easiest way, but the way to get to the league, the guys that, you know, had the longevity in careers and stuff, the next level and all that. So listen to that. But um, I'm not sure. But I do remember, you know, obviously being, going to the Coliseum, you know, growing up, Trojan fan and all that and having your family there, you know, um, needed numbers of tickets that game so you know being back at the crib nothing like it but yeah yeah yeah. how'd you play how'd you play I did all right um you know different that's when I recognized there were different levels to it you know um seeing those guys you know even in warm-ups you know they're (laughs) you know they're they're at the end looking like 
the receivers and receivers looking like DNs, you know, and you've seen the difference in levels of, of football. And um, just from raw strength and weightlifting, you know, that's when I bought in the muscle milk, you know, those guys seeing all the muscle milk banners around there. I'm like, I need to get on muscle milk. But, uh, <laughs> it, it was fun, you know, um, ended up having a pretty good junior year, end up uh, leading the nation, you know, whether it's a past happy whack and being in that league, you know, um, had plenty of opportunities. So it, it was a good junior year that, you know, where it was, it was fun and, you know, riding that wave from there. So you said you led the nation. What'd you lead the nation in? For our listeners who don't know. Huh? For our listeners who don't know, what'd you lead the nation in? Oh, uh, interceptions. Yeah. How many did you have? It go, I go up every year that someone asks me. So I think I had about 13 or 14 or so, but <laughs> yeah, it's around 10 or so, 10 or 11, but yeah. Still, that, that's impressive right there. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, we also played, in, like I said, the past happy whack at that time where everyone, you know, everyone was the, the Hawaii of, you know, throwing the ball around the yard. So it was, it was all good. Hey, you still got to catch him, you know? So, you know, don't, don't be, don't be downplaying yourself right now. Nah, nah. I remember the ones I dropped the most. Those are the ones that I, I remember, you know, I, that, <laughs> like, man, you know, could have, could have been amazing. I got you. So you had a, a good senior year. I'm assuming you had, I mean, a good junior year. Um, mm-hmm. Was your senior year kind of the same? Do you have a successful senior year as well? I think, it, yeah, it was a decent, um, you know, whether it was people weren't attacking me as well and, you know, maybe just leaving the hype a little bit too much. You know, a couple of balls slipped through my hand senior year. And um, so on paper, it wasn't a good, as good of a year, you know, as my junior year and stuff. But, um, you know, it was still competitive. Um Team, team got a little bit better and you can see we're getting ready to take that next step to being you know competitive and everything but um again came in with a, a new you know defensive coordinator new new cornerback coach so you know you had to learn te- different techniques and new system but um it, it, it was it was a solid year as well I got you, got you. all right so your playing days are over are you uh are you ready to get out of Moscow Idaho Oh yeah, I'm I'm out of there. <laughs> I'm ready to go back to, back to you know back to the house and and, yeah. and start training for um you know for the pro day and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that and and yeah I want to go get back home as soon as possible. Okay, so you go into training, training for your. Uh, did you do your pro day at Idaho or did you go somewhere else to do it? No, I did my pro day at, at Idaho. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up training back at Long Beach City. Um, it was a guy named John Hall who was uh. He was a good track coach, um, ran track for UCLA, coached there back in the day, worked out with him. We got a nice group of guys and stuff that we were trained at the vet with. So, um, you know, got in the best shape, came back for the pro day, um, put up put in some pretty solid numbers and stuff. And, yeah, I, I think it was, it was success, but it, it was fun, you know. What did you run? What was your 40? Four, I ran a 4.3 something, you know, on, on the low end of 4.3. But, um, you know, I think the bird was pretty good, 40 or so, and, you know, lacked on the bench press and stuff, but, you know, about eight to 10 reps. But, um, yeah, the training had paid off. You know, you're able to train that whole time for something, and that's your mindset. You know, you hope to see results and stuff. Mm-hmm. A low 4-3. Come on, don't don't act like you don't remember exactly what that 4-3 was right now. It, it was 4-3-2, you know. You, yeah, you know, just, just say Just say you ran a 4 Everybody runs that nowadays, though, man. Everybody runs a 4-3 nowadays. No, nah, you, you have it. It's official on a pro day. It could look you up. That's official. There you go. That's official. Okay, so you ran your pro day. What was what opportunities did you have? You know, after that, and um, just kind of leading into NFL draft, and you know what happened during that whole process. Yeah, it was um, a couple of free agent opportunities. Um, I, I believe it was the Colts and the, and the Browns, and um, maybe a couple other teams I can't think of. But and then all the San Diego Chargers, which I ended up choosing at the time to go free agent to. Um, and just being young, naive, you know, it's two hours away from the house. You know, I could drive there, obviously, with the family and stuff. But, you know, I, I failed to look at, even look at, take a peek at the roster, you know, knowing they had drafted a corner in the first round, drafted another corner in the third round, you know, which is, you know, obviously they had Camardi, they had Jammer at that time, you know. So it was more, you know, I probably should have took one of those other opportunities, maybe in Indianapolis or with the Browns, but, um, mm-hmm. You know, like anything, it was a learning experience, and, and it was a great experience being there, being that close to home, and you know, a team you grow up see playing and stuff, being being right in your backyard. So it, it was fun from that perspective. Yeah, I bet it was. I bet you. How long were you there for? 
a coffee break. Yeah, and I am prepared for the uh, first or second preseason. But um, hey, that's hey. I bet you learned a lot during that time, though, because oh yeah, I yeah. That's still a couple of weeks, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It was a couple of weeks. Ago. Yeah, yeah. I bet you learned a ton. Um, oh, so I'm assuming you got cut. Yes, got cut from there. Um, yeah, obviously was not not that I was surprised or anything, but um, you know, you learn a lot like going into the business. Just you know the not even the perks, but the value of being drafted as a player for one, you know, the head start that those guys get and, uh, you know, just the detail, their money's invested. So, you know, they're going to set them up to do everything they can to succeed, you know, mm-hmm. versus a free agent, which, you know, you're getting a signing bonus, which is, you know, chump change compared to, you know, obviously a drafted player and stuff. So you learn from that side of the business, you know, where it most likely doesn't always come down to a player skill, you know, uh, that's you know just things I tell guys nowadays you know that's why the importance of drafting and make sure you come out at the right time and stuff you know is critical and crucial so to say but um it was a great learning experience again you know I saw the different levels wise obviously was the National Football League and you know those type of monsters and you know guys freakishly like I remember seeing you know Antonio Cromartie you know freaking six 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 of them and moving like me, you know, and just how he bent corners on the kick return, you know, like he was striding, running 200, you know. So it was just obviously using the NFL at a different level to it, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet, you know, I bet that was awesome. And it's something you can, you know, like you just said, that you use to teach your own players now and help them and get them to understand, you know, just the importance how the level is just different there, you know. Um, so how did you end up uh, in Canada? Well, I got, okay, I got cut from there. Um, it's crazy. I know picking up a job, my boy had told me about at the time, it was um, a Wells Fargo credit manager. And I ended up doing that, you know, um, you had to come in the office suited and booted every day. You know, um, the money was pretty decent though. You know, I, for that time coming out, um, mm-hmm. like $30 an hour or something like that. So, you know, I, I didn't mind paydays, you know, they're doing all right, but um obviously was miserable, you know, missing the game. And, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't a nine to five type type of cat. So, you know, um, I ended up quitting there and going, taking an opportunity to play with the Spokane Shock, which was the arena football league back then. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that was probably the best, one of the best decisions that I made. Um, a guy named Ryan Rigg made it. He, he was the um, GM at that time. And, um, you know, kind of big time to start out with, you know, like who, who are you guys calling call me, you know, but uh, end up being one of the best decisions I made, you know. Arena ball, man, arena ball. You know, I, I used to love it growing up watching it because it just looked so fun. Like it was just everything about football was there and it was just smaller and, you know, you just got to run around. Guys were wearing basketball shoes, like not wearing real cleats and stuff. Like it was um, I just remember watching it. It's awesome. So how, what was it like, you know, playing in the arena league and li- I'm assuming you lived in Spokane. Um, yeah. It was, it, it was, and being in Spokane, you know, they, they, you would have thought we were playing for the Seattle Seahawks or something, you know, the, the way they treat us out there. And, um, you know, the, 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 the stadium was packed, you know, we, we were pulling up, you know, getting to the club, like, and we're talking in little Spokane, you know, um, bottle service and all this stuff, you know, we were living life for that year. Like, you know, like we were those guys and we were, we were making, I think it was something like two fifty a week, which was crazy, you know, but, um, we, I don't know how we were living life. Um, they paid for the housing and all that stuff, but, um, you know, we ended up, ended up joining, you know, a hell of a team the year before they only lost, they lost the last game of the championship. And then uh, we ended up going, did we go on? Yeah, we ended up going undefeated and then ended up winning the championship the, the um, 2009 year that I was there. So it was, we had, we had a great group of guys on that team. And um, yeah, it was a solid, solid team at all. That's awesome. Where, where did you guys play in Spokane? In the Spokane Arena. Um, it's where the Chiefs play at. It was pretty, obviously it was the hockey and the, um, the indoor football arena. I got so you. Okay. Right there downtown, right in the heart of downtown. Man, I bet that was fun though. Like, uh, it was, <laughs> it was some of the best time of my life, just living life. And, you know, not really, you know, if you know anything about the arena football, you practice for maybe two hours and then, you know, what are you doing the rest of the day? You know, you're not really doing too much, you know, might go for film study, have a meeting, but then, you know, you're pretty much on your own throughout the rest of the day. So it was, yeah, we were living life on both ends, you know, to say the least. <laughs> 
That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a uh, love to talk about that more. Maybe part two. Maybe part two. We'll just just dive into arena football and just kind of there we go. There we go. Back to glory days. But um, so you obviously performed well. Your team had success, and I'm assuming that's what kind of led you to getting uh, getting talked to by the BC Lions up in Canada. Yeah, and we um. Man, we was fortunate we won the championship that year, 2009. And I believe it took place around maybe October, November or so. Um, so right after that season, you know, coming off there, you got, again, Ryan McMahon, he, um, to Neil McAvoy up in BC, who was pretty much one of the general managers, scouting personnel guys, you know, pitching my name. And they have up there in the CFL where it's called the expanded roster. During the um, end of the season, they open up the roster for whether it's um, – they can hold, like, it's really like 20 more guys or something like that. And you just bring them in for two days or maybe keep them for two weeks and just the opportunity to see what you can do. And, um, yeah, so right after the season, same year, I came up there and called the end of the CFL season. Um, we ended up signing there, whatever the contract was called, I forget. But I'm signing with the BC Lions from there right after that season. Okay. Okay. How What was – you know, you're going for Spokane – arena then you're going you know from a small field then you go to Canada and their field is bigger um you only get three downs receivers there's 12 people in the field receivers are running around everywhere um you know what what was that like how like what were your first impressions of Canadian football yeah I didn't quite know what I was getting into but um they do a good job when you get there teaching you little differences excuse me little differences of rules and stuff and obviously you know you see the field much bigger you know um 20 yard end zones versus, you know, 10 yards and stuff. So it's, it's crazy. And then, you know, the wideness of the field and just the little rules of, you know, being able to kick the ball, you know, they line up a yard off the ball, you know, what arena did prepare me for was the motion, which mm-hmm. helped out a great deal. You know, obviously you can have all those guys in motion up there as well, even going lateral on the line of scrimmage, but um, it prepared me for that. So it was just, you know, relying on my athletic ability. I think it's kind of meant for guys, of my size and speed, you know, that I can cover a little bit of ground as well. You know, um, it's, it, it's better, better suited for that type of stuff. But um, it was just pretty much they want to cover guys so you can cover, you know, obviously covering a um, large amount of field and stuff. So it, it, the motion helped me a great deal. That was those guys off most yep. when they get up there if they haven't played arena football or something like that. So that was, that was um, big preparing me for that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a – it's a little different, but again, it just it looks fun, and um, I've always been intrigued by Canadian football. That's been great. But uh, so you went and you signed a two week contract, basically is what you signed, and you obviously did something well, and you stuck around. Yeah. So what what was that like? What did you do well? Um, you know, what did you do to get the coaches to notice you? And you know, again, I just you know probably a different monster being on the field, but just. You know, you, you, you want to come there and compete. You know, it's when you're – you don't really care who everybody else is or, you know, you got to come there like you're ready to compete and, and dominate and, and literally willing to fight for, you know, whatever you're going to get in that situation. And and that's what happened. You know, obviously you got to have the skill set too. But um, that their season, they ended up making it to the playoffs that year. They stuck me around on the practice roster through the um, end of that year and stuff. And then I ended up signing a contract the following year, which gave me a fresh start getting into camp and stuff. And that's really where I proved, you know, that I can I can play at that level and um, mm-hmm. you know, end up having a camp. You know, it, it was for you know guy Mark Washington who I ended up working for later, and then Wally Bono who was the head coach there. You know, it was a it was the BC Lions is a great place of tradition and stuff, and um, players and, and having a great DBs. You know, the um, Corey Banks, Dante Marsh, and Ryan Phillips. You know, who CFL guys know about and stuff. So. Like it was a great tradition to be into and just learn experience to start out with. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What was it like signing that contract, you know, and just all the time working at a bank, you know, going to JC ball, then to tiny Idaho, um, playing arena ball in Spokane, like a lot of time, you probably had a lot of times, like, you know, when you were up times you were down, thought football was over. And uh, what was it like signing that, you know, professional contract, you know, I'm here, I made it. And now it's time to go to even put more work in. Yeah. It was, man, trust me, it, it was a blessing, you know, to say the least. And I think what helped me most is not having that transition period to that offseason, you know, even in 2009 going right up there to the CFL. So I kind of didn't get that year 
or that um you know beginning of the next year where I didn't know what I was doing you know mm-hmm. being up there you know they gave me you know pretty positive talks and stuff that you know I'll be signing contract the next year which ended up happening so um I knew I had something to work towards and look forward to so it was it was easy to have my mind focused and putting uh, putting the grind and you know putting the work now you had a goal you knew you knew what you were working for so you know that made it simple it was just you know you had to go through and starve a little bit to get to where you want to be and and it was yeah, it was, it was a blessing just to sign right after the Arena Football League season from up there with the um, BC Lions. So, yep, that, yeah. And what you said right there, you have to starve a little bit. That's a good, that's another good little liner right there, Stan. It's real good. Because <laughs> um, it's so true. You do. To be successful, sometimes you got to, you know, take a risk or, you know, take a chance on yourself and bet on yourself and um, before the success comes from it. So, how long did you play uh, for BC? Was it two or three years? How, how long were you there for? About three and a half years. Three and a half um, years? Yeah. I was fortunate, to, again, being with all those type cast. You know, we had Travis Lula at quarterback, you know, had some big-time offensive guys and stuff. G. Ward Simon, who's, you know, a Hall of Famer up there. You know, a guy, safety, Baron Miles, was a Hall of Famer up there. You know, those guys were in the league when I, when I got there and, you know, obviously had big names for themselves. But, um, you know, we know we're in a great cup which is their championship up there as well. So that was big. Um, I did my first year, I ended up starting, but, you know, you're still learning the game. So, you know, I was productive, made some plays, but still didn't get the essence of the, you know, CFL game. Mm -hmm. Going into my next year, you know, that's when I really, you know, had a full off season to work and grind, get the body tuned. And, you know, I really thought I'd be an impact and get ready to go from there. But, um, you know, after that year, end up blowing my knee out season ending knee injury about the second game into the year and stuff. So that was, that was probably the most tragic thing that happened to me, you know, up to that point and everything. So it was, it was life changing from there, you know, mm-hmm. when you say life changing, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, just obviously, you know, playing sports my whole life, just, you know, that's, that was all I knew, you know, um, even the distinct, you know, working the nine to five, you know, you're, you're miserable. You, you know, that's not what suits you, you know, your mind's constantly on something else. And, you know, at that point, you know, I had to sign a waiver that night. Well, first, you know, I had um, getting rushed in emergency surgery that night and sign a waiver that I could, you know, possibly get my leg amputated. And that's probably, you know, the first time that it hit me that, you know, I probably would be without football, you know, just from what the doctors were saying and, you know, it's really the injury and stuff. And um, so that's when it hits you, you know, like, really, what are you going to do? What's going to be the next step for you? And that's that's when I knew it would be life changing, you know, one way or the other from where I would go from there, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Wow. Did not, did not know that. Dang. Um, so obviously surgery went well. You came out of it. And what was the process like um, rehab? and just trying to stay focused on your goal and what you want to get back into, you know, get back into playing and all that stuff. What was that process like? Were you still up in Canada? Were you back home or where were you? Yeah. I, um, the night of the injury, that's the, I actually had two surgeries, but the night of the injury was the first surgery. And that was just to repair, you know, pretty much the artery, the way that the, the knee hyperextended snapped the artery, which cut off my circulation, which is why I had to sign the papers originally, you know, in case they couldn't, you know, obviously save the leg or whatever. But um, just waking up and feeling my leg, you know, that was, you know, that's all I, you know, obviously was praying for the whole time and, you know, try to stay positive and just hoping that that would come through. You know, that, I think that was a big, the biggest thing. So once, once I woke up and the leg was there, you know, I knew I would have another surgery down the road to pretty much to repair everything in the knee. Um, you know, they compared it to like having it been in a, a car accident, which is, you know, crazy from a football field. But, um, you know, football, I knew I wanted to rehab and get back, you know, just because, you know, it was only a couple of examples of guys who have returned for those type of injuries. You know, we had a guy in the CFL who's done it as well um, by the name of Edwards who returned from the injury and had a stellar career. But, you know, it's not a easy, you know, injury or anything when you're repairing every ligament in there and then the artery is what, set it back the most because just losing your feeling and um you know getting all your sensations back from the leg but um from there I just I went to rehab and, and attempt to come back but that was where my mindset was at once I you know got that second surgery and be, began rehabbing and I was up still up in Vancouver during the rehab and stuff so 
took good care of me up there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine that. That's crazy. You go into surgery, not sure what's going to happen when you wake up. Um, that's a, that's a big, big blessing that it all worked out. So you rehabbed, you rehabbed from assuming about a full year and then you, you come back, you make a full recovery and you get a play. I do. And I don't, you know, I end up my rehab. I end up leaving Vancouver shortly. Um, going back to the arena football league, I played with a guy named Andy Olson who now was the head coach of the Spokane Shock, and they were in the, AF, the true AFL versus the Arena 2 League. He was the head coach there, so he offered me a position to come coach the defensive backs there. Um, you know, obviously playing against him, he played receiver. You know, we had our shared battles, and, you mm-hmm. know, through our battles, we kind of built, you know, a friendship and, you know, through competitiveness and just, you know, <laughs> we, were the, we were probably the two guys that got on each other's nerves, you know, but um, we both respected each other, you know, the way we played the game and stuff, so I was blessed enough, you know, he offered me an opportunity to come coach the defensive backs there. And, uh, you know, I took that and I was like, you know, okay, let's, let's try this out. You know, I knew I always just love the game and the passion of being around it. So ended up probably cutting my rehab a little short and it got right into coaching from there. Okay. So. Okay. Did, uh, so you got into coaching. Did, did you have a plan, you know, early on that you wanted to be a coach um, or is it just kind of, it was an opportunity and you wanted to still stick around the game um, you know, what were your first imp- or answer? First question is, did you always want to coach, or did it just kind of just happen? No, I think I always wanted to coach in the, in the back of my head. You know, um, yeah. but I didn't want to be one of those guys that you know, one of those, those player coaches that you know still worried about him playing. You know, versus or watch me do this and you know and stuff like that. But you know, I I definitely did want to coach. I just didn't expect it to come that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even. Yeah, that, that opportunity, you know, to taking the jump at it and stuff, but um, definitely always wanted to coach in the back of my head, yeah. Okay. okay. Well, what was it like going and coaching? First time, you know, you're fresh off playing. Um, you know, what was it like going and coaching for the first time? You know, a different perspective on things. Yeah. You know, the mentality kind of changes a little bit. So what was that like? Uh, it, was, it was a blessing, you know, to, to, you know, on a smaller, obviously much smaller level, but it was professional football, you know, the, the AFL back then. Um, so it, it was big time, you know, you're near dealing with grown men, but, um, you know, fortunately I had the respect, you know, even some couple of guys I played with or competed against. So it was kind of that environment, but, um, you know, it was eye opening, you know, from coaching and now, you know, you're responsible for the whole back end and, um, Andy also, he really trusted me and stuff as, as well. You know, we had Cruisenberry who was, you know, the DC there, big fella, but, um, it was great. It was a good learning experience and, and being able to be on the other side of it, you know, and, and you had to kind of grow up and mature a little bit as well. So it, it was solid. Yeah, for sure. I think what you just said too, is how you have to grow up a little bit. Um, you know, I remember when I first got into coaching, I, you know, my story is a little crazy, but I was playing basketball and I wanted to get into coaching in college. I got a chance to GA at my school where I was playing and yep. all of a sudden I get a position group and it was just the safeties, but, it was a bunch of guys who watched me play basketball and, you know, we, that we saw each other on campus, saw each other in the nightlife. Not that I was friends with a lot of them, but they saw me in that role. So I had to separate myself real quick to gain, to have any respect um, from them. And I just remember that was, you know, it was a very quick learning experience. So I bet that, you know, it's kind of the same thing for you. And again, like your mentality has to change because now you're in charge responsible for these guys and you, they better know what they're doing or it looks bad on you. So, um, no, exactly. And you're right. Exactly. Even just, you know, like you mentioned the off the field stuff, you know, the only thing that probably a little different, you know, you're dealing with college students. Yeah. Versus, you know, I was dealing with grown men. So that kind of, you know, that kind of probably brought us together. You know, even some of the guys on the team, we had been through some things together and, you know, they knew what type of person I was, you know, so that kind of helped out and being grown men as well, you know, oh, yeah. those things. But no, you definitely have to, like you said, you know, set yourself apart and, you know, let them know that this is, you're serious about your craft and you actually do have knowledge to help them, you know, um, you know, whether it's play faster or be a better, basically be a better football player at the end of the day. So for, for sure. sure. I bet mean, that was, oh, that was awesome. So you coached there for a year. Um, you're like, okay, I'm assuming you're like, okay, I'm, I'm into this coaching thing now. It's what I want to do. Is that was how your mentality was or did you, did you want to go back and try to play again or where was your mindset at, at this point? I was kind of in between. Um, you know, I, I probably I probably knew I, I didn't rehab the way I probably should have, you know, 
but in my mind, I kind of want to just, you know, against all odds, you know, I can come back and play and, you know, obviously still, still young enough for his age and stuff, but um, coaching probably took, <laughs> took the, the lead in that, you know, the following off season, I believe we were heading into spring ball or whatever um, during March time. And then that's when I pretty much got the offer to come up to Idaho state and be the defensive back coach there. Um, so it was, it, once I took that move, I kind of put it in, in the back of my mind, like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably done playing. Mm. And, um, you know, I was just fortunate enough that I could just live a normal life and work out and stuff. So I, I hold on to that, you know, even, you know, nowadays working out in the, in the gym, it, it hits a little different for me because, you know, it's just not about staying in shape. It's about, you know, I, I possibly could not be able to do this, you know, if things would have went south. So yep. it, it takes on a little different role for me nowadays. Yep. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. I'm, I'm happy you're able to do stuff and still golf, you know, like, hey, no doubt. you know, now hey. I know, now I know why I don't like to walk, you know, I got that bad knee. <laughs> so you get the opportunity, you go from Moscow, Idaho to Spokane to Canada um, up in BC. And now you go back to Pocatello, Idaho. Um, you know, now you're in the college ranks, no more professionals. You got, you know, they're a lower level division one, but still a division one school. You know, what was that experience like? And just, you know, it's just different than anything you've kind of been around so far. So um, talk us through that a little bit. Well, it was, you know, it's, it was a, I think I learned so much that first year, you know, just, um, you know, for one, the head coach, his name was Mike Kramer. Um, he was <laughs> unique, if you're going to use the word, you know, um, keep you on your toes, keep you guessing, you know, it's just spontaneous. His, you know, that's how he lived and that's how, you know, obviously the office and stuff was ran. So you always had to be on your toes. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, from that perspective, and then just, it was a different monster. You know, that first year was probably, you know, it was definitely probably my worst coaching <laughs> in, in, ever. You know, just dealing, going from dealing with grown men and expectations, and then going, dealing with kids at the end of the day. You know, they want to say they're grown, but, you know, kids at the end of the day who still have a lot of maturing to do you know a lot of world to understand a lot of simple things to understand and just not it didn't quite click initially and um also going into situation you know I didn't build that type of, I didn't have a, the luxury of having that type of relationship with guys you know it wasn't guys that I recruited there or anything like that I was just obviously coming into a situation in spring ball so it was it was a great learning experience you know um just from how to handle children and kids at the end of the day you know, um, I was probably a lot, my expectations probably too, too huge on those guys. And mm -hmm. then, you know, that comes with relationships. And also you want to be successful and that deflecting of how you come off and the urgency and stuff, you know, that, that first year I learned a, a great amount of deal. And it, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great learning experience to say the least, you know? Yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. I can't, what is, uh, what's Pocatello like? Pocatello is very, very similar to Pullman. You know, you got your, your Yellowstone Road, the one, you know, major road that run through there. You know, you got the Salt Lake Airport, which is probably like Spokane. You know, you got to drive hour and a half, two hours out of there. You know, you have your little surrounding areas like, um, you know, you, you it's, it's this college town, just like in Pullman. Not too many, you know, you got your Walmart, got your couple mainstream restaurants. Everybody know why you're there. Um, is very similar to Pullman here. You know, you have, you know, Salt Lake two hours away, you have the big Utah University, you have BYU, you have the Utah State surrounding areas and stuff. So it, it, it holds a lot of similarities being out here in Pullman. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so from there, you're there for about three years, right? Three seasons. And then you get the opportunity to go back into Canadian football, go back to BC. You know, how, um, again, it's a different transition. You're going to get from coaching college age kids. Now you're going back to professional athletes, back from the professional level. Um, you know, were you excited for the opportunity to go back where you played, get back up in there? And, uh, you know, how, how I bet that was that decision easy for you to go back? Um, it, initially, it wasn't, you know, I kind of knew I, I loved coaching college ball, um, you know, but the decision was more, I feel like I had exhausted where I was at you know, as far as learning the scheme and, you know, just maximizing my ability and, and, and when you kind of outgrow a situation, you know, so it was time for me to take another step, you know, out on my own and see what I can do. And fortunately, you know, it was a great situation I was going into that the, 
defensive back coach. He was now the defensive coordinator, Mark Washington. You know, the, the legendary Wally Bona was still there. He was the head coach, general manager. So I, I knew that I would learn so much there, you know, from great men and great mentors and stuff. And obviously, you know, to be at a professional level as well, you know, lower obviously than the NFL, but get back to just up there. The beautiful thing about professional ball, all you're doing is coaching ball. You know, if a cat go out and get DUI, yeah, you know, depend on your relationship with them, but it's not like you're responsible for that. You know, he's he's, he's a grown man and you're literally just there coaching ball. So it's, it's, it's great from that point of view, you know? Yeah, 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 it's something I've been a part of, but, you know, I know people who are there now and just how much they love it and it's just different. So you ended up being there for a few years. Um, did you can talk about it, but you ended up, did you guys get let go or what kind of happened up there? Yeah, pretty much um, got fired on the, on the day off. No, but no, no, pretty much um, Wally Bono, who was, you know, obviously the general manager and the head coach, he was going to retire. He already had planned on retiring. They end up, he ended up releasing the title of general manager. So that brought in a new general manager where he had held both titles of that and the head coach previously. Mm-hmm. So the general manager, obviously Wally Bono being a legendary coach, the general manager Ed Hervey decided to hire Wally Bono as the head coach. And even Wally Bono was talking about retiring previously from that the um, following year, but he ended up sticking around another year, which gave us another year, him being the head coach under a new general manager and stuff like that. Um, so now once Wally Bono did retire the following year, Ed Hurry brought in his own guys, you know, head coaching and, you know, from the professional, how that go, you know, everybody wanted their own guys, so they brought in there. And um, that's when we ended up being let go and a new, new turnover coaching and stuff ended up being up there at BC. So, yeah. I got you. So what was that like? Now you're, you know, yeah. you're basically living out a dream, coaching professional ball, a place where you played, had good connection and ties to, um, you get let go, you're out of a job, you know, everyone knows the coach profession, if you don't get fired, you're, you're going to get fired soon. So you better be ready. Um, but what was it like? Cause being fired is not fun. You know, I've been there, buddies of mine have been there. It's just, it, it's just, you have to have the right mindset for it. And I'm, you know, I'm assuming the whole injury you had, it helped with creating that mindset. Cause it's just the same thing. You gotta you get down, you gotta work your way back up, you know, do it in a different way now, but um, it can just be hard. And, you know, you feel like you let people down and a bunch of other things. So how did you handle that situation? What ended up leading you to get your next job? Um, and yeah, it was, I just want to know about that experience. It was, you know, like you said, you know, that, that's part of the, the coaching world, you know, and um, it was my first time probably where, well, obviously being cut from San Diego is probably the only time where I didn't choose to leave somewhere, you know, where, excuse me, but I knew it was inevitable once they brought in a new head coach and stuff and from there. So it was just, it was more of a little bit of waiting time that was, you know, probably more irking, you know, what are, you, what are they going to do? You know, the DC, uh, Mark Washington, who, you know, probably should have got the head coaching job there. Um, he, he was up for interviewing. So, you know, we stayed positive throughout that whole process. Um, you know, nothing on his part. He killed, probably killed the interview and, you know, it's probably still to this day, I feel deserved that job. But, um, you know, it, it was still that little bit of glimpse, that little bit of hope that, you know, if he became the head coach, you know, obviously he would retain the staff, you know, the D, defensive side of the ball and stuff and, you know, maybe rebound the offense a little bit, but go from there. So it was just more of the process that was just, irking of not knowing and nothing really being in your control at that mm-hmm. point. But, yeah. um, you know, once the, the writing was on the wall, you know, um, coach Washington, he didn't end up getting the head coaching job, ended up going to another guy. But um, once that was on the wall, you kind of knew, you know, the steps and it would, how it would trickle down and, and the next moves from there. But um, yeah, it was just like anything, you know, when you get let go, you know, you got to evaluate, you know, maybe still take a look in the mirror, you know, what could I have done in a situation maybe where, you know, I, I could be put up for that position or whatever, but, you know, you just got to evaluate and move on, access it and, you know, keep, keep grinding and keep going, you know, yeah. figure out the next move from there, you know? For sure. Yeah, I agree. So what was that next move? Next move. And from there, what did I end up doing? Oh, end up going Juco ball. Yeah. I spent off season. Um, and then I'm getting a call for a junior college in, in um, Northern California. Cabrillo College in Aptos, and it was 
you know, playing Juco and coaching Juco, you know, it's, it's the same monster, the same knuckleheads, you know, that you're dealing with. And it's, you know, it, it's a journey in itself, but um, it was probably the, the craziest time and, and crazy coaching, you know, we done everything from, you know, cook breakfast, you know, prepare breakfast burritos to, you know, pick you guys up from the house. And it was just a whole, it was the whole Juco lifestyle that you're invested to. And, um, but it, it was great. You know, I ended up being a defensive coordinator there, which was, you know, a great learning experience and, and really gave me, you know, a little bit of a foundation and to really test things that I've learned and, and, and my values and things that I believe in and stuff. And, um, you know, you know, the Juco bar is not, you know, you don't have 10, 11 coaches and all the support staff, you know, it, it was literally probably about five of us and stuff. Um, three guys on defense, including the head coach. So it was, it was really, you know, you really had to take it by by its horn and get ready to go within that perspective. So yeah, yeah. I um, I want to dive into that just a little bit because you know, like I said, one of my best friends, Coach Dameron, who's been on this podcast, he is a head coach at junior college, and he always tells me he loves it. He understands oh. like the 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 you know, it's not the most glamorous. You don't get all the support staff and help, but he says it's the most natural form of football out there because you run what you run. You don't have a ton of time to practice it and guys are going to show up and they want to show up. You don't have all these coaches to do exotic stuff. So you got to be very simple and base and you just get it. You just play football, you know, in a very simple form. And he, he loves it. He goes on all, he's an offensive, he's been both. He's an, the offensive coordinator right now. And he, um, he's like, yeah, we're gonna run power 25 times a game. Yeah. And this is what we're going to do. And they, they, they know it. And I'm not going to change it up. It's going to be power, right? Power left you know, and play action off it. And he, he loves it for that sense of it because it just keeps it very pure in the natural form. So um, do you agree with that? And then what was it like, you know, whether you want to say or not, you're a defense coordinator now. You get to talk to the whole defense. It's your show. Do it the way you want to do it. You know, and then what, how was that experience? No doubt. And I, I 100% hear what you're saying about, you know, whether those guys, they're stuck in their ways or whatever it is, or, you know, it's, it, there's some truth to it. You know, it's Juco ball, keep it simple. You know, um, depending on where you're at, that's where it gets tricky. You know, do you have the athletes to run what you want to run? Yep. You know, um, are you guys just better athletically than teams dominating, you know? And that's where it kind of got tricky, you know, in, in, in that sense. But, um, you know, it, it, it's an experience that I wouldn't trade for the world. You know, just grinding. You know, I, I believe, you know, Juco is a great thing. It's the rawest form of it. You know, kids that are hungry, trying to get out, most of the time have a purpose. Uh, you know, you might have kids that are not just good enough to play at the next level. But, you know, you, you get it You get it from all facets. Kids that just need some guidance, you know, that maybe the street's calling them or whatever. And they're struggling between those two things, you know, and don't understand what it takes to get to the next level to actually get a scholarship. And, so it's the rawest form, and you can't trade that you no know, amount of experience. You can't trade that at all. But it, it was clutch from that that perspective. So, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I'm, you know, I think I, I agree. I think JUCO is a place. You know, all coaches can have impact, but I believe JUCO is a place where you can have a ton of impact and really, in a sense, save kids um, if you do it the right way. You know, and um, that's why I think it's special, just like for any football, but just helping them get where they want to go. You know, whether it's a kid going D1 or even a kid that gets an NAI scholarship or a D3, just so they can go and play and chase their dream. I think it's uh, it's very important. So um, then just real quick, you know, you were there. What what happened and what led you to come into Washington State and getting on with uh, this new staff here? Um, well, we had a pretty successful team there at Cabrillo, but I don't think, honestly, not sure how much that really played in it, you know, basically what it came down to just like in his business, you know, connections and, um, you know, speaking of stand up cash, Jay Rich, you know, pretty much I had formed a relationship. He was actually with the BC Lions as well um, in the camp with us. And we met through there back in the playing days. So, you know, we knew exactly who each other, you know, <laughs> to the core and, you know, growing up versus the the coach, you know, Jay Rich and, and, and coach Franks. You know, we we knew each other from then, and um, you know, obviously him being from the home and stuff. Um, but pretty much he he probably the reason he is the reason why you know opportunity at Washington State. You know, obviously now everything else had to check out and stuff as well. But um, you know, yeah, just his word and him being a stand up cat that that's how I got the opportunity here at Washington State. And um, yeah, pretty much from there. Yeah, and you you know, and I uh, yeah, Jay Rich is the man. I'm trying to get him on the pod as well. We'll, we'll see what happens because he uh. Great time, you man. Just tell me. 
No? Sometimes. But yeah. he never did back in the day with Coach Rich. And I can talk about him forever because he impacted me, gave me a chance to interview for a GA spot at Wyoming. And yeah. I used to always go up to Wyoming, work camps, and I'd go sit down with him. And we wouldn't even really talk ball. We would just talk, you know, because he's very good at impacting young men and helping them become men. And that's what we'd sit down and talk about. And he'd give me all this advice um, on what to do in my meeting rooms. And I would go back fall camp and I try it all and I do it everything he told me to do I'll try to do it and it was and you know all of it stuck it was great he's a he, he's an awesome individual so but all right so I know I've taken a lot of your time I kind of want to tie this up you've been around a lot of different coaches and you've had a different experience at different levels of football um, and now you're coaching guys um, you've been around a lot of different leaders and different leadership styles what do you think is the most um, effective leadership form of leadership style, you know, like there's servant leadership, autocratic, um, you know, dictatorship really. And those are just terms, but what do you think is the best way to lead? Probably, you know, I definitely probably agree more towards the servant side of it. Um, I do believe leadership, you know, it has to come through you being an example as well, you know, um, whether you've been in the fire directly or have been in the fire, you know, it, it comes from knowledge as well. But I think, you know, like anything with leadership, you also have, you got to have great followers as well. So I think you have to have followed before as well in order to be a leader and going through it yourself. But um, yeah, I don't believe in dictatorship or anything like that. You know, leading is about also allowing whoever's following you to find their path too. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's not going to see it how a leader might see it. But all you need to do at the end of the day is get, everyone headed in the right direction you know um some guys might, might take a right versus a left but you the only everyone's heading in the same direction I, I feel that's what leadership's all about and you know allowing guys to find themselves through the process and giving them the tools to be successful you know that, that's what it's all about in life and and that's what it comes down to for leadership for me at least you know oh yeah and I uh that was very well put and what you said was you know as a leader you're there to help them find their path and everybody's path is different, you know? Um, and we got to be okay with that. We're just there to help and guide them to get to it. So, um, you know, I, I, am glad you said servant leadership cause I'm a big fan and I, I'm a true believer in servant leadership. Um, I've written papers in the past and studied it and, you know, it's, um, it's something that's very dear to me and what I, I believe in. So how would you define servant leadership? You might've just said it, but you know, how would you define it? If you had two sentences, how would you define servant leadership? Ooh, two sentences. Um, you know, leading by example while while catering to the needs of the followers. You know, I think you got to be a leader also. You know, you got to be able to blend and, and, you know, deviate your plan as well, depending on the group or the, the guy, the kid, whatever it is that you're dealing with too. You know, everyone doesn't take to the same type of leadership. You know, some guys you might have to be tough on some guys, you know, you might have to show them some guys, you might have to hold their hands walking it through some guys, you just got to allow them to find themselves. So I just think, you know, at a leadership, you know, you, you, you got to be well-rounded as well. And that's what it comes down to, you know, you're, you're catering to your follower or whoever you're trying to guide, get into position where they're trying to be at, you know, get into. Oh yeah. No, you're exactly right, Stan. And I, um, and I love it because I think a lot of people, when they hear the term servant, you know, you, you think of like a soft person just laying themselves down. And but it's not it's not about that. Being a servant means, like you said, sometimes a kid, you got to be hard on them. You got to coach them hard and you got to um, coach them hard, not on the field, but off the field, too, because they need that. But at the same time, putting them before yourselves is what being a servant leader is all about. And um, <clears throat> I think that's what most coaches strive to do because that's why we're in this business. So is to help young men be great and figure out their calling. So well, Stan, man, I appreciate you. I know I've taken a lot of your, I've taken a lot of your time. Um, hey, all good. All good. Plenty of time. We, you know, not much going on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay. Last question. I know I said last question, but last question, you know, in 10 years from now, you know, what, where do you want to be in your career? You know, if you, if everything works out the way your mind does, you know, I know we're both believers and it doesn't always work out that way, but in your mind in 10 years, where would you want to be in your career in life? 
you know, I, you know, you already know, probably know my point of view on stuff like that. But, um, you know, I don't try to dictate or, you know, predict the future or anything like that. But um, just just hopefully be, being a, more of a blessing to others. You know, that, that's what I want to be at the end of the day. You know, whether it's young men, you know, at the end of the day, we coach a game for a living. You know, there's so much more that goes into that. But at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. So, you know, we're blessed to be out here mentoring young men. So I just hope I'm in a position where my family's taken care of and um, where I can continue to do that. And, you know, it doesn't feel like you're going in the office, you're not going into work and, you know, you're surrounded by a great group of men and you're able to build up another group of men, you know, the next generation as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, you can't beat that. So I'm just hope I'm in a position to do that and continue to be a blessing to others and continue to get blessed myself, you know? Mm-hmm. You guys heard it first. That's why I stands on this podcast. Cause he's a, uh, he's built different now and um, he has a great mindset and I truly believe you're going to be successful. I didn't, I said that the other day to you and it's your career is going to take off and I'm fired up to see where it goes because you are going to impact people and young men and, you know, not even just young men, people in the building, we get impact every day too. So, um, but again, Stan, I appreciate you being on the podcast, three, one podcast here. And um, I'm thankful I get a, get to see you every day, most days. So I appreciate you, Mac. And obviously, you know, stand up, catch yourself. And, you know, this is, this is great, you know, keep doing it. And obviously you're headed down the right road yourself, you know, appreciate you. I'm just gonna keep following you, you know. Maybe one day, <laughs> maybe one day you'll hire me. Who never knows. But, uh, <laughs> but all right, Stan. You know, um, again, I appreciate you guys and everyone out there listening. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the Three One Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.